Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zivyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20. Capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Gina Sorrell is the author of The Wise Women, a novel. 
After two decades of working as an actor, Gina returned to her first love, writing. A graduate of the UCLA Extension Writers Program, she's the author of Mothers and Other Strangers and The Wise Women. She balances the solitary hours of fiction writing with work as a creative director and brand storyteller under the banner of her agency, Words Make the Brand. Originally from Johannesburg, Gina has lived in New York and Los Angeles and now lives in Toronto with her family. Welcome, Gina. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the wise women. Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure. And I don't know if you know this, but um, during the pandemic, I listened to you constantly. You're on all of my walks. You're all of my breaks when I was trying to find connected to writing, when I felt like I was just separated from that whole world and I couldn't find my way back in. I would just listen to your podcast and I would laugh out loud and have all the neighbors worry about me as I would just, you know, check in with my old friends. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was, it was really, it was such a strong tie to this world and that world that, you know, I felt like I was just so separate from. And so thank you so much for doing it. And now to be on it is like, it, you know, it, it really is, it's such a thrill. It's such a thrill. Had you already, thank you, by the way, that is so nice of you. And, you know, I got as much out of doing the podcast throughout the pandemic as probably anybody who listened to it. It was my sanity vehicle. But was this the book you were working on at the time? Like, yeah, I was actually, well, we were, I sold the book in 2020. And so, but in September of 2020, you know, and so I was in the revisions, like we, I had just got my agent in the beginning of the year. And then, so, you know, it was all these things, like the world was looking one way, right? Entirely, you know, and I had an agent and I was starting to do the revisions and then things started to get a bit, you know, questionable what was happening. Things were shutting down. I had just gotten back from a trip and I noticed that there's a lot more hand sanitizer and a lot more masking. And yeah, and then as we all know, everything shut down entirely. And so I was doing these revisions and trying to stay in that really buoyant place that I wanted the book to have, you know, mm-hmm. while also facing a really uncertain future, which all of the women and the wise women are as well. So it's interesting how that kind of all happened at the same time. And I think it deepened the book too. And I think it gave me like a greater understanding of just how quickly things can turn, you know, and how we all have to pivot. So that was, that was something that was just really strange how that lined up. Yes. She's stranger than fiction or whatever the expression is. Yeah, that's yeah, even applicable. <laughs> well, I just love these wise women. I mean, they're so fabulous, all of them. And you do such a good job of crafting different characters so that you feel like you know them. Wendy is hilarious. Like I could see, I mean, the, 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 the secret husband and like their relationship and like even little things like how he hides her iPad to get her to calm down, which of course is never going to make her calm down. You know, I feel like I might share too many things with Wendy that I don't want to admit. <laughs> this sort of like compulsion and, <laughs> and the daughters. I mean, they're all, all of them and the way that the story unfolds and everything. It's like delicious and delightful all at the same time. Uh, you know, even the different generations, like all the old fashioned advice versus, yeah. you know, what, I don't, it's just really awesome. Oh, oh my gosh. No, thank you so much. That really means a lot. I, I love these women, you know, and I think you're, I think you're right when you say that you could be Wendy, I could be Wendy. You know, I feel like there's what I was hoping is that 
is that people would see that there's a bit of themselves in all these women. Yes. You know, I mean, I think that Wendy's really well-meaning, right? She's a bit of a meddling mother. You know, I have a mother who's very well-meaning, can be a bit of a meddler, you know, but I myself have often given unsolicited advice many times. <laughs> many times and I can't stop myself, you know, and I'll say, now I at least say to people, forgive me if I'm, but like, like I'm going to yeah. stop. I'm going to do yeah, it. Anyway. I, <laughs> so much like I'm just going to launch in and be like, but anyways, yeah. my mom's favorite saying is to say, um, you know, well, if you want my two cents and I'm like, before I can say, I don't yeah. <laughs> out of her mouth. Right. You know, and, and Barb bears a lot of responsibility for her family. And yeah. I, I know what that's like, you know, when you're the person who you want everybody to get along or you want, you take on extra responsibilities because you can, and because you can, then people think that they can just expect more from you or mm-hmm. do more, you know, and I'm sure that's something that you can relate to, you know, doing all the many things that you do, you know, there's that that fine line where people start to think, oh, well, this is just who you are, but it's also a learned skill. And it's both a blessing and a curse because the better you get at it, the more you take on, you know, and it increases your responsibilities. And so I think that that's something that Barb is really struggling with in the book. And then, you know, in Clementine, I'm a mom and I'm a mom to a son. I just have, I have one child, not a jest. I have one amazing child. I hit the jackpot. And, uh, and I love how you said that in the book too, how like there was all this pressure about yeah. having you have a second. You always had to be like, well, we're just gonna have one, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have one. You know, they're not shoes. You don't yeah. need a pair, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. That's what you said. Family, yeah, every family is different, but I would do anything for my kid, mm-hmm. you know? And that's how, that's how Clementine feels. And I think that's how a lot of moms feel, you know? And we take on so many extra responsibilities and we push ourselves, not just for ourselves, but because we're doing it for our, our children, you know, and so there's a bit of me in every single one of the wise women. And I was hoping that readers would see that as well. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, Jonah's not, I don't want to say like full on special needs, but his, yeah. his he has anxiety. Yeah. He has yeah. anxiety and, and really focuses intently on different things and likes his routines the way they are. And I, I just so felt it when, when Clementine's life was totally getting all just turned upside down. And she was sort of like, I could deal with it, but Jonah, you know, like he yeah. finally, we finally got it. We've got the tree house. We got the backyard. We've got like, everything is set. How can I disrupt that? And like, I found myself reading being like, I don't know, like, like find a way, like, how can we solve <laughs> this problem? You know, make this work for Jonah. Yeah. It's true though. I, I, I mean, I think that being settled is something that we all want, you know, we want mm-hmm. it for ourselves we want it for our families, but we especially want it for our children, you know, just that they feel that they have a place where they belong and that they feel that they're good, you know? And I know for myself, for my own son, I, you know, I, I, I'm always was looking at schools for him. Like, where is a good school for him? Like, where is he going to be happy? Where is a good community? You know, we moved back from California, my husband and I, we were there for 10 years and we came back and I was like, this is a huge upheaval for him. And the first thing that I thought of was where's a good school? Where can we go? What's a great neighborhood? You know, we ended up renting the house right across the street from my parents where they lived Cause I was like, okay, here's some anchors, you know, and you right. want to give your children those anchors. So that was something that I, 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 yeah, that was just, that came out in the book for sure. For me. What part of California were you in? We were in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. And so yeah. why did you leave? Yeah. Well, my husband and I were both actors. He still is. And so we had gone down for pilot season a couple of years in a row. And then we decided to get our green cards and we moved because we were going to just work full time, you know, in the acting industry. That was our plan. <laughs> That's everyone's plan, right? And then in my first year there, I really struggled. Like I didn't love Los Angeles the way that I thought I would love Los Angeles. 
I loved New York. I moved to New York, you know, for theater school when I was much younger. And I instantly was like, this is home. I got it. I understood it. It just made sense to me. But I'm not someone who loves to drive. And I, I travel everywhere on foot. And Los Angeles was really challenging, you know, and it was just very spread out. And so, and I also spent so much time there waiting. Like in Canada, I was busier as an actor. There's more work. It doesn't pay as well, you know, there's, but you, you can work more often, right? And there, like, I would get a gig and it's great. And, you know, it might be lucrative, but there could be like six months in between. Mm-hmm. And the waiting I'm not good with. I'm a busy person. I like to feel creative. I like to feel like I'm doing something. And so in between one of these gigs, I decided to take a writing course at UCLA Extension. And that's where I met my writing mentor, uh, which is Caroline Levitt, who, oh, you know, I love I, Caroline Levitt. Yes. I love Caroline. I adore her. And, yep. uh, and now she's a really good friend of mine. You know, we became Aww. really good friends. So I was taking the course and then I thought, oh, there's more courses I can take. And being a bit type A, I was like, oh, wow, they have this creative writing program for three years. I could do that. And so, you know, I ended up taking their creative writing program at UCLA Extension and I just in long form fiction and I just loved it. And Caroline Levitt was a huge champion of mine and still is. She's a great friend. And she really cheerleaded me through the whole process of getting my first book out into the world. You know, she read my first manuscript and she was like, this is a novel. You have to finish it. And so I did. And I just, I had great teachers there. Robert Evers is another great teacher, but it just going to UCLA, it changed my life. And it made me realize that although I'd gone to Los Angeles to be an actor, the thing I love most about acting and I always love most about acting is the storytelling. You know, I would spend all my time with my scripts, you know, or with my plays when I was in New York. Like that's the thing I loved the most. And as an actor, you only do part of that, you know, and you often have to wait for the opportunity or wait for the right agent or wait for the right casting director or the callback. You're always waiting. And I just, I'm not good with it, as I said. And so to have a chance to just work on story, I was like, you know, maybe this is what I really should be doing. And writing had always been my first love. And I'd always written to give myself opportunities like plays or short Mm -hmm. films. So it really gave me a chance to return to it. Well, now you can turn this into... And, it, you know, because now it's like a thing already. Is it being <laughs> yes, turned into something? I hope so. It's being looked at, which is nice. And so, you know, fingers crossed. It would be really great. I, I mean, I would love that. And, of course, I don't want any part in it. You know, maybe like somebody off in a corner, like sipping coffee or something. Right. You know? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in front of the camera. And I'm much happier, much happier in front of the only screen being my computer screen. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm most comfortable these days. Were you, and sorry, I should know this, were you in no. anything like... Everybody would Yeah, know. you know, I, I, did a, I did a lot of sketch comedy. And so mm-hmm. I was at Second City. I did the touring company there. I did Second City main stage. And then I did a lot of family shows. I did a show called The Naughty Shop based on the Enid Blyton books from Britain. Mm-hmm. And that's a BBC kids production. I did that for a couple of years. That was my first big gig. And it was uh, as an animal rescuer. Oh, so nice. I worked with animals and children and puppets. The three, like the trifecta <laughs> of things you're not supposed to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> terrifying. So it was a lot of fun. And it was a whole, like a whole who's who of Canadian comedy actors, which was really nice. And then I did a show called The Zach Files and another show for BBC called I Love Mummy, where there's a mummy in our, um, as one, as happens, we discovered a mummy yes. living in our attic. who's like a teenage <laughs> boy, you know, and uh, as one does. And, you know, I just had smaller parts in bigger films, like uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. You know, I was a sarcastic vegetarian waitress and things like that, that were, you know, that were a lot of fun. It's funny because my last gig that I ended up doing in Los Angeles was on 
I want to say it was on uh, Law and Order Los Angeles, I think it was. And it was a Canadian director who I knew and like who I knew of, who had gone down there to work. And I was just sort of deciding whether or not I was going to come back and do it. And I think at the time I was pregnant with my son, but I hadn't told anyone. Mm. And he was talking about, what are you going to do next? I'm like, well, there's this thing, you know, and I'm also writing. And he's like, my wife is an author. And he went out and he got her, like her book from the trunk of his car and he <laughs> handed it to me. And I was just like, okay, this is a sign. You know, these are all like things that like, I'm in, like, this is the perfect gig to go out on with like a great show that I'd always watch, you know, Law and Order. And, and it was a really nice part. And the crew was great. It was Canadian director and writer. I was just like, it all just seemed to be like, it's okay. You can, you can go off, Gina. You can do this. Well, my takeaway from that is I will now stock my husband's car with my books. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, you just have them in the trunk. You're such a good guy. He goes, oh, you have to. Yeah, you have to. You have oh to my have, gosh. have a box so in the trunk all the time. <laughs> I should keep them in my own trunk. That's really that's funny. Nice. I know. That's silly. Anyway, very Probably funny. on set with all these famous people too, right? So they could hold up and take a picture, which is something, you know. Oh, that's another good. Look at you. Always marketing. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. No, we were joking before we started recording about, you know, the marketing of books and the packaging and how much I was saying how much I adore this cover, which for those listening is, you know, my favorite color blue background with these bright, beautiful, hot pink and orange and sort of neon green flowers on the outsides, which I didn't describe very well with like a lime green spine with hot pink and blue. I mean, it's so fun. It's so great. It's so Wait, fun. tell me about the process of arriving at this. Well, I love the cover. So I'm glad you love it too. I really love it. And I think a cover is so important. And I know we're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but we know we do. And there's such competition out there, right? That if it can catch somebody's eye, then, you know, encourage them to pick it up, like all the better. For me, I always... I want the cover to either communicate something that happens within the book, but there's so many different things going on in this book that I thought it's just going to be a jumble. It's going to be a mess, you know? And so the other thing that I thought of is what if I could convey the feeling of the book, you know, make the cover evocative of that. And this book is really intended to be hopeful. You know, even though it starts off with all of the three wise women in crisis at the beginning of the book, facing a future that looks really uncertain, 
it's the idea that they come together. You know, they're all very different, like all those different colors of the flower, you know, and they come together and that there is something better on the horizon. Even though the future isn't necessarily what they thought it would look like, it's possible that it could be even better than they hoped. And so I wanted that things, that feeling of things are looking up, that blue sky, you know, brighter days ahead. And so that when people looked at it, they had that feeling. And that's what I really hope would also carry in once they opened up the book. I love that. That's cool. See, I didn't even think blue sky when I looked at that, but I just, but I got the same vibe. So I guess that's. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's happy making. It's happy making. (laughs) That's at least I hope it is. (laughs) And have you been surprised by sort of the machinery required to get a book into the world so far? Yeah, I I have, you know, it's interesting because this is in many ways, it's my debut because it's my first at a big house, you know, and, but I had a book before this five years ago, a much smaller book called Mothers and Other Strangers. And that was at an indie press. And so I worked really, really, really hard to spread the word about that book. I mean, everything about that book was hard. Getting, you know, finding an agent for that book was hard. Getting a publisher for that book was hard. And then the book did really well considering, and it was really well received. I'm very proud of it had nice reviews and all of that goodness. But I just, I felt like it pounded the pavement. Like talk about like having books in the trunk of your car. Like that was, you know, I was like, oh, hey, I noticed you've got this little free stand here. What would you like a book here? Would you like a book? I could consign you some books. I remember saying, I remember going into bookstores with my book and being like, I could just give you 10 copies. And if you don't sell them, you can just give them back to me. And they're like, okay, it's not how it works. <laughs> so, you know, people were really great about it, but I was really pounding the pavement because we had limited resources, you know, so I had hired an independent publicist and, and we worked, you know, sort of hand in hand and everybody did as much as they could, but it was all hands on deck. So this time around, you know, I'm at a much bigger publisher. I'm with Harper Collins and they're wonderful and they've been incredibly supportive and it's a really great team, but I still hired an independent publicist because that's just what I know. And, and that's how I feel comfortable. And I like to be really involved and I can't annoy them all the time at HarperCollins, but, you know, and so I was just, I guess I just felt like it would be maybe easier in some ways to launch a book in the world. And I don't think it is, you know, I think it's always all hands on deck because it's like, I've taken that whole experience and I've just put it into another sphere. You know, there are more books, there's more exposure there. The stakes are higher. You know, the authors who I'm hoping to share shelves with, you know, are at a higher, like you have a higher profile. So I feel like everything has been raised in terms of stakes and expectations, you know, especially and on myself as well. So that has been really, it's been really demanding as part of the process. And I'm so used to, I told myself I wasn't going to use this word as much anymore, but it really does fit of hustling. You know, I'm so used to hustling and getting the world word out and making my own opportunities and creating that, that now I'm just bringing all of that to a team that can really run with it as well and support me with that. So that's been a really positive change, but it's a lot, you know, as we were talking earlier, you, you have to get people to go from, Hey, I heard you have a book to, Oh, I saw you've got this great review. That's so excellent. Oh, I saw your book in the bookstore. So then buy the book, (laughs) which is is challenging. And I know that not everyone can buy books. So I'll say things like request it at your library. Like Mm -hmm. you can get them to buy a copy. That's great. You know, and if they see that that copy is taken out, then maybe they'll buy five or 10 or 15, you know, but it's just, I mean, I have friends who will say like, I'm wait, I'm just going to wait till the paperback. And I think, okay, but (laughs) so far from now, you know, like we'll see what happens. And I have other friends, you know, I have a bunch of friends who are like, yeah, I bought 10 copies and 
that's it. I'm giving it to everybody for their birthday. This is it. You know, and these poor people, like every time I write a book, they know this is all they're getting for their birthday. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of my girlfriends are like, oh, we're getting your friend's book again. Yep. You're getting my friend's book. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. Happy Thanksgiving, whatever it is. Like it's, you know, one of my friends is actually an old neighbor of mine. She's lovely. She said, you know what? I just decided that nobody needed any more wine when they invited me over for dinner. So I brought them a book instead. And I said, oh, that's great. Thank you. And she she did that for a whole year. And she was very popular. So it made it. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> this one woman's social life, making or breaking a book. Yeah, you know? like, yeah she moved me on up. Moves, moving the market. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's challenging. And you have a new book out, right? So you I have do. that's charming yeah. now, which is beautiful. And I can see it behind you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I have to take them off the shelf. Yeah, I have a new book out, but yeah, and it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but yeah, it's so funny because I remember being in high school. My high school English teacher had a book come out, and I think by that point we were all in college, and so a bunch of us went to his reading at Barnes and Noble or something like that. And of course, I like bought the book. Right, we all brought them. He was signing, blah blah. And then my one friend was like, she went right up to the counter and she's like. I'm going to wait for the paperback. And I was like, you can't say that. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I always wait for the paperback. I was like, but you can't just like go up to the author and then like not buy the book when he's trying to sell the book. But anyway, but actually, you know, it's fine. A lot of people only, only want paperbacks, which is, which is fine. But then I was even talking to people on my, I'm like, why, why don't, why doesn't everyone just release a paperback at the same time as a hardback? It is interesting. When I did Mothers and Other Strangers, it was only released as one of those beautiful uh, trade paperbacks, right? Yep, it, was yep. really, it was gorgeous, but that's how they were doing it. And, and it did, I think, help people. They had no choice. Mm-hmm. There was no waiting. They, they had nothing to tell me. You know, they had to yeah. get it. But, um, but I, I get it. Like, there are so many books out there. It's so hard, you know, and, you know, books can be expensive. And, you know, I don't blame anybody for, for doing whatever they do. I just hope that they read it. And even if they like it, maybe they can just spread the word. Or if they're not buying it yep. for themselves, they can say, oh, my friend read this book. You would love it for your book club. You know, yep. all of that, all of that goodwill, all of that support and that cheerleading, in whatever way is available to them, really does make a big difference. Totally. Yeah. Emma's all the reviews, everything. Everything makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, it all makes a difference. It really <laughs> does. You know, I have my like I have friends and family who go into the bookstores and if they see that it's you know, not displayed in the way that they like, they shift it, <laughs> you, know, or they, you know, or they'll like turn the cover out. So it faces the person <laughs> rather than being in the shelf, you know, yeah. then they'll send me a picture and yeah, that just, it keeps us going. Right. It's, it's just nice. I to mean, know. the market has, has turned all the authors into like, you know, these covert operatives, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, what can we do to, to help it along? Well, yeah. you do, you do it to help it along, right? You have this podcast. You yes. Know? I'm trying, I'm trying. And, you know, with the publishing company, we're trying to do things differently to, to help, but you know, it, it is hard. And, uh, but all I can do is try. So better than do. not trying. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think it all makes a difference. Yes. I think it all makes a difference. Will there be any follow-ups with the wise women? Are you carrying their story on in any way? Are you doing a different book next? What's your plan? You know, I've had a couple people say, oh, I'd like to know what happens next with these women. And I think, I mean, for me, I wonder about also what happens next with them, you know, but, but I, I love spending time with them, you know, and I think that it was, it was 
the, you know, the books, you know, the book picks up right as they're all in crisis, right? The beginning of the book, they're all, it's all, it all takes place in New York City. It picks up all when these women are different crises in their lives and they all have to rally together and, you know, overcome their hurts and obstacles and face this uncertain future, you know, move forward. And I know that logically it makes sense that then where do they go from here? And I've had some mm-hmm. people say, I'd love to see where Wendy goes next. You know, I'd love to see where some of the extra characters like, you know, like Samantha Love, the influencer, what happens to her? What does she do next? And so that's always a possibility, but I am actually working on something entirely different right now. You know, I'm working on a story of, of um, three friends who were all, they were all working together sort of at a pivotal time in their lives. Like in their early twenties, they met in college, they did a film together. The film was really successful. It affected all of their lives very differently. And we get to see that for a decade. And then on their 40th, well, a couple of decades, and then on their 40th birthday, they take this big trip to New York and something happens that causes them to not speak. You know, two of them get back in touch, one not at all, for another 10 years when they reunite at the film festival that kind of brought them all together in the first place. And so that one's really a book about second chances and, you know, second chances in love, second chances at a career, second chances at friendship. And so I'm having fun exploring that. And that's what it is right now. And we'll see what it ends up being by the time I'm finished revising it. I'm in the revision stage. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. And I think that's the best thing to do when you're writing is to write something else. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's just to like have something else going, you know, so you're not yeah. perseverating on what's going on over here with my book and all of that stuff is just, there's just always, you can, that's the only thing you can control is the writing. And so that's what I'd like to focus on as much as I can. That's true. It's a hundred percent true. Well, for anyone listening, the wise women with this bright blue and pink and orange cover, you will see it at your bookstore. Face it forward. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Buy a copy or take a picture of you with it. At least it helps spread the word or something like that. And yeah, congratulations, Gina. It's it's really awesome. I really love the way you write. I'm going to go back and get your other book now. And yeah, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's so great to be here and and best of luck with your book. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, We'll have to chat again and see. Well, I'll see you. I'll see you pounding the pavement, holding up, you know, pictures of your book and I'll be doing the same. Yes. (laughs) All right. Okay, Gina, take care. Have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card.
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.